0: Welcome to the Teaching Ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a four-part series entitled "Joyride." This sermon series will teach all the ways to unpack the DNA of contagious joy and live with it overflowing. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. Welcome, New Hope. How you doing? It's good to see you. Welcome to uh, all of you that are out at our campuses. That was uh, that was quite a a teaching bumper there, wasn't it? That was the first time I had seen it too. So that was uh, that was something. I want to look into the camera and welcome everyone who is uh, who is watching out there. Welcome to Sanford, to Garner, to our Latino campus, NCCIW. uh, Whether you watch it online or on TV, and here at Central. Uh, welcome one and welcome all. However you are joining us and wherever you're joining us, we are glad to have you. Well, as, uh, as the, the, the video clearly showed, we are starting our brand new series called Joyride Today. Who's excited about that? It's a series on joy, so you, you better get excited. I, uh, I'm honored to, to be here today in place of Pastor Benji, who was roughing it at the final four. It's some, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I was texting him late last night, and he was, said he's just having a blast. So I'm very, very happy for he and, and Amy Lynn. But let me say this about our series, Joyride. I think this is one of the most important series uh, that we've done since I've been here at New Hope. And uh, th- th- this is why I say that. When people come to New Hope, I think one of the unique things that they say is that there is this distinct joy among us. Right? There's probably a lot of you that are here uh, or at one of the campuses for that reason. You say, there's just this, there's this anticipation. There's this um, inner, inner joy. There's this uh, energy. There's this excitement to be here. That every week when you show up, something is going to happen. And uh, the reason I say it's so important is if that's something that's distinct to us, we need to know why we have it. Right. We need to know why we have it. We need to know how to describe it because we need to know how to curate it. We need to know how to fashion it. We need to know how to harness it. Because if we don't know what it is, we're bound to lose it. You follow me? And that's why I think it's so stinking important that we are jumping into this. You probably noticed, right? In the uh well, it was, it was, it was hard to uh to avoid. That our theme for this is a roller coaster. <laughs> the theme for this series is a roller coaster. And I wonder, are there any roller coaster fans in the house? <laughs> yeah, roller. I thought it'd be a little more a little bit more excitement. Usually roller coaster people a little more, I'll, I'll ask it one more time. Are there any roller coaster fans in the house? <laughs> any, yeah. Yes, yes. Some people put their hands up just like they would on a roller coaster. That's all right. You know, I've 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 learned in the world, right? All across the world you can boil all people down to two categories, right? Those who get on roller coasters and those who don't. Right? And those who, who don't, you are, you are happy just to sit there quietly, right? There are two kinds of people in the world those who get on roller coasters and those who don't. One thing is for sure when it comes to roller coasters, either you're on or you're not, right? Like you can't have one leg in a roller coaster and one leg out. It's kind of funny to visualize though, right? I mean, you can kind of picture someone going down the tracks, but you can't be on halfway. And here's what I've noticed, right? So those of you who are not roller coaster fans, forgive me, but here's what I've noticed. Those who get on the roller coasters, typically have better stories, right? I'm just saying. Now, you've never heard someone say, you know what, while you guys were on the roller coaster, I was waiting, and here's what happened. It was awesome, right? Like, it doesn't happen that way. It's the people who get on the roller coaster, and they get off. They're the ones who've got a great story. I learned this uh, vividly uh, several, several years ago, back when I was a young buck. Uh, I, I learned this, yeah, that was, that was yeah. That my dry humor. Anyway, anyway, back when I was younger... I, uh, I was at an amusement park with some friends. We were in college. We were going to an amusement park. It was Kings Island uh, back in, uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yes, there's some Kings Island fans out there. So we were going to Kings Island, and I gotta be honest, like growing up, like I was not a roller coaster fan. No one in my family was. My parents didn't uh, get on them. We just, we just didn't go to amusement parks a lot. So I was going with some college friends, and they were, they were like huge roller coaster enthusiasts. They'll get on anything, they'll ride it all day long, and they'll eat and get sick and all of that. Like they're just like, that's, that's what you do at an amusement park, right? So we were going to the amusement park and I, all they did was talk about the roller coasters and I got on a couple with them. But I, I, I like the ones you can see. Like, you're like, I can, uh, while I'm standing in line, like, I can, like, I can conquer that. It's just a loop. Like, it's not going to take very long. Like, we'll I'll get through it. I'll be fine, right? Well, we're walking onto this one roller coaster, one of those that are hidden, right? Like, you can't see it. So there's all these stories. And I think it's worse when you can't see it because you start making all these, like, images in your mind of, like, what's really going to happen. And as we're walking up, my friends are like talking. They're like, yeah, it's like, it's this mag- magnetically propelled roller coaster. Like, you sit in there and, like, the, the, you, you actually hear this the Magnet like whirling up, and all of a sudden they release the magnet, and then like you shoot down the tracks. And so I'm like, I'm building up my mind, my nerves are racing. As we're walking up, you can start to see, like, because you, you can't see much, you can start to see there's a, there, there, there's people on the roller coaster, and then they're gone, right? Like, you walk up, like, they're there, that you hear the noise roll, and then they're gone. And I'm like, this is crazy, right? Like, like I can have a fun day, I can wait. And still have a good time, right? So we're walking up, and I, I didn't say anything to my friends. I got on the ride, and I walked off to the other side. <laughs> All my friends, they get on, they're like, where's Chad? I'm just like waving at him. I'm like, see you guys later, right? And then the roller coaster takes off. And by the look of their faces, I was like, I made the right decision, right? Because they were like scared to death. And so they're like, they're whirling down the tracks, and they get back, and they're just like high and They're like, that was awesome. You missed out. And I'm like feeling like this big you know what i mean and i i made a decision that day i kid you not that day i made a decision you know what when it comes to life i'm not going to be a waiter you're like i want to have the story scared to death or not i'm getting on right like what roller coaster whatever it might be i'm getting on board now here's the deal with roller coasters like i said either you're on or you're not but have you ever noticed that people that get on a roller coaster don't necessarily have the same experience right like you can be on a cart with someone and like Two rows up, like, they're having the best time, and then two rows back, like, they are scared to death, right? You see, have you ever seen those photos, right, when you get off the roller coaster? I, I brought a couple along. I'm going to just do a little, little experiment here. So the people in the back, right, the people in the back, this is awesome. The people in the back, are, are, are they, so there's the boys in the middle, right, and they have no idea that the girls behind them are having a great time, and then the two girls in the front think they already died and went to heaven, right? Like, it's like... Get me off. I brought, I brought one more. I like this one as well. So the guy, the, the, the boy in the front, right, like, so he's like, he's almost asleep. And somehow the mom behind them, is she, she is, get me off of this thing, which I think it's funny that there's two little boys around her who are just having a great time, right? She, You can be in the same place and have completely different experiences. Maybe you've noticed this when you get on a plane, right? There's the what if people. They get, they, they get on the plane, but all they can think about is the what if like, what if the plane went down? And so they never fully put their whole weight on the plane. You've seen these people, right? You sat next to them. They got on, but they never fully got on the plane. Like, they're, they're gripping the seat, or they're, like, they're gripping your arm. Like, I've had those people sitting next to me, right? But it's like, you're on the plane. You're not going to stop the turbulence. Like, I know you think your, your brake that you're putting down on the floor is going to stop it, but, like, you're not, you're not stopping the turbulence. And here's what's amazing. The fear of what if creates this tension, and the tension little by little will steal your joy. The fear of what if creates a tension that little by little will steal your joy. Someone else could be in the same place and be all in and have an entirely different experience. You see, living on the fence is in essence living in tension. You're not sure which side to get on. You see, when it, when it comes to things in life, I think there's a lot of things in life like you can't be on halfway. I think joy is one of those things. You can't be on halfway. You see, you either live out the principles that are behind joy or you don't, but you can't be one foot in and one foot out. Otherwise, you're living in this tension. You're living on the fence. You see, there's things we're going to lay out in this Joyride series, these principles, and I think if you put them into practice are going to lead you down the path of unstoppable joy. And I think today's message is at the crux of that statement. We'll get into that in just a minute. See, either you're on or you're not. There's no kind of getting on board. You see, when it comes to joy, like roller coasters, either you're a rider or you're a waiter. When it comes to joy, like roller coasters, either you're a rider or you're a waiter. Now, we need to define up front. This is the first message in the series. We need, we need to define up front, like, what is joy? I think joy is one of those things that's kind of difficult to define, right? It's kind of like love. Or peace or happiness. Like you ask every one of us in the uh, the room or one of our campuses, you're going to come up with a different definition, right? Is it acquiring something? Is it a moment? Is it gained through experience? Each person would have a different definition, right? Like love, joy has different levels, right? Like, you can say, I love my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you better not say it with the same passion you say, I love my wife, right? Like, be careful. That's dangerous territory. Are, there's different there's different levels. Like, like, if I get up in the morning and, like, let's say my newborn son wasn't sleeping, can I tell you one of the things that brings me joy? <laughs> Starbucks, right? Like, I can go to the nearest Starbucks, get myself a, a non-fat, wet cappuccino, and I am a happy camper, right? It brings me Joy, All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you up for this, right? Both here and at all the campuses, you're going to want to participate right now, okay? I'm just, I, you were warned, okay? All right, is there anybody else here that the Starbucks brings you joy? I need somebody close. Yeah, so it's, it's good that you're sitting close. So you are getting a Starbucks card on me today. <laughs> Give her a hand, everybody. And at all of our campuses, at all of our campuses, your campus pastors have a Starbucks card waiting on you as well. So you can raise your hand right now, and they'll get you a Starbucks card. I was talking to our um, our Sanford campus pastor and our Coffee House campus pastor this week, uh, Nate and Scott. And I said, "What brings you joy?" And both of them quickly said, "Movies. I love movies." So is there anybody else that movies bring you joy? Right here, Lisa. Yes. Come on up. There you go. Give her a round of applause, everybody. Still the same with the campuses. We're giving away. We're just giving away a little bit of joy. Is that okay with you guys today? All right. So I was talking with our... Wow. You know you're in the South when (laughs) Bojangles gets the biggest applause. So I was talking to our Garner campus pastor, Derek, and I was like, what brings you joy? And before I could even get to the word joy, he said Bojangles. All right. So Bojangles, anybody that brings... Yes. Come up. Yes, 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 yes. All right. One more round of applause. There you go. Good job. And we didn't, we didn't forget about the ladies at NCCIW. I think right now your campus leaders are actually going to be bringing out you like loads of almond joy, just care of us. So give, give them a round of applause too, guys. Right, there are, there are levels of joy, right? There's like food and fun levels of joy. And then there's uh, friends and family kind of joy, right? There's, there's, different levels, there's different levels of joy. What brings you joy and where it comes from are different things. But I, I want to ask you this question as we get into today's message and this series all together. What is the source? What is the source of joy? How is it acquired at its most core level? And with that, how is it retained? Right? Like I keep saying this, this word, and we're going to say it a lot in this series, unstoppable joy. What is its source? Where does it come from? How do you acquire it, and how do you retain it? I think John chapter 15 actually sets this up incredibly well for this. You can turn there in your Bibles if you've got them. If not, they'll be up on the screen, no problem. John 15, verses 9 through 11. This is our, our passage for the entire series. It says this, As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now remember that remain, that's important. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. He says, if you obey my commands, then you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. That your joy may be complete. Now, it's just very simple. Jesus is saying, I want you to remain in my love. He's telling his disciples, I'm going away. But I want you to remain in my love. If you obey my commands, if you do what I say, if you follow it out, if you get all the way in the roller coaster and enjoy it, right? You get on board, then then you will remain in my love. My joy will then be in you, and your joy will be complete. Jesus is simply saying, I want friendship with you. If you obey my commands, I will remain in you. He's saying, in essence, there will be this wellspring of joy from within right we are we have access to the source the fountain of joy and this reminds me i was uh, i had some friends who several years ago they went down to haiti to a remote village, and they helped put in a water system. What they learned about this uh, village down in, in Haiti was that they actually had to climb up a mountain. They had to go to the very top of the mountain to get fresh water. Down at the, at the base, it was, just, it, was, it was nasty, it was dirty, and they couldn't go down because they were at sea level. And so they had to go up the mountain to get fresh water. So every day, if they wanted clean water, they had to go trek up to the top of the mountain and bring it down. It was, it was a day's long journey to provide for your family. And so they went down to put in a water system, Right? So they, they went up to the top of the mountain. They built a system that could bring the water down. So they went from not having access to, to clean water to like that, having access to its source. Are you following me? Now, here's the deal. We have access to the source of joy. But here's what's interesting. So often we wait till we're dehydrated to access it. Isn't that interesting? We have access to the source of joy so often we've de- developed the, the, the mindset that, that, that obeying and remaining, right, is about reading more about Jesus. It's about learning more about Jesus. That, that's what we think about remaining and abiding. And Jesus is saying, I want you to look like me. I want you to live like me. I want you to be like me. That is remaining and obeying. And it can't be done on the fence. You see, the call to follow Christ is a radical challenge To lose it all and actually find what matters. See, Christianity, little by little, has become a very safe thing. Churches often work very hard to make it easy to access it and to to use it and to live it out. But you see, the call isn't safe. The call to Christ isn't a safe one. Have you ever thought about the fact that the call to follow God for Jesus cost him everything? Why would it be any less for us? It cost him everything. Everything, but so often we try to make it safe. I, uh, I'm reminded of, a, of, a, of something dumb my brother and I did once. Right, so we were we were we were very little. I don't even know. Maybe you're like around eight and ten years old, and we uh, we lived out on this old farm, and there was a barn nearby. And my brother and I, and I, I'm pretty sure I was probably the one that came up with the idea. That's typically how it was. He's older, but I always came up with the great ideas, and then we blame it on him. It's very smart, very smart. So. Uh, we 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 remembered remember that there were old mattresses out in our barn, and then we got this. We were looking. We're like there was this hayloft, right, that had access to the like you could you could you could jump out of the hayloft, right? It was a good like ten feet up or so. And so I was like, well, I wonder if we were to get there's two mattresses. It seems safe enough to me. If we get two mattresses and put it beneath the hayloft, we could jump out, and it'd, it'd sort of be like like our our, I guess, rural trampoline. That was, that was my idea, right? So we're going to jump out of the hayloft onto these mattresses. And as I'm, uh, you know, we, we climb up the back steps, we're at the hayloft, the mattresses are in place, and I'm standing there, and I'm shaking, but I'm excited to jump. And as I'm like backing up to jump, I hear this, Chad, Brian, Lunsford, don't you dare, right? <laughs> and I look out and from coming, like running from the house, is my mom with her hands up, "No, no, 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 no don't do it. Now, my mom was probably just being a good mom. But can I be honest? To this day, I kind of want to know what it was like to fly. <laughs> I, I kind of want to know what it was like to jump out of that hayloft, right? Now, she was being a good mom. She was doing the right thing. She told us to go back inside. But here's the deal. So often in Christianity, we, are, we, we, we tell one another, it's okay. Go back inside. It's okay. Play it safe. It, it's okay. Just, 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 just take it easy. But here's the deal. The call to follow Christ is a very dangerous call. I, I, some years ago, I learned about Sir Ernest Shackleton. Maybe, you, maybe you've heard of him. He was a, a, a polar explorer from the early 1900s. And he lived in the, the, the heroic age of exploration, it was called. And he wanted to go on one final journey. And he was going to lead a, a bunch of men across Antarctica. And he called it the last, the final great exploration of the age of exploration, the heroic age. And uh, he, he took a 27-man crew. And this was his uh, his help wanted ad. All right, I want you guys to hear this. Maybe you've heard it before. Men wanted for hazardous journey. That's a good way to start off. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger. I love this. Safe return doubtful. It's good. Honor and recognition in case of success, right? So you had to like weigh the odds. But I think he was appealing to this like primal essence in, in guys to like go, like you got to live this adventure. It's the final great exploration. And see, here's the deal. I think the call to follow Christ sounds much more like that to really lay it all on the line. See, what Jesus says is obey my commands, you will remain in me. It's not a call to Bible study alone. Now, hear me on that, because you, you might leave and say, well, he was saying Bible study is not important. I'm not saying that. It's incredibly important. It's very important, but it's, it's not a call to Bible study alone. It's not a call to quiet time alone. It's not a call to church attendance alone. It's not a call to singing worship songs in the car alone. Those are all very good things, but Jesus is not stopping there, right? He's saying this is going to be a, a radical thing that, that envelops your whole life. You see, obeying and remaining are far more than a list of what you don't do, is simply doing Bible study. It's far more than that. Obeying and remaining is far more than that. So what is it? What is it? In, in, in Luke chapter 5, we actually get this great picture of it. Jesus sets it up so very well. He's, he's teaching on a shoreline, and the crowds are coming to watch him, and the crowds are getting so big, he sees some nearby fishermen, and he says, uh, can I get in your boat, and he, will you put out just a little bit so I can address the whole crowd? So they do so, and he's, he's teaching. And then when he's done, he looks at the fisherman, right, the, the audacity of Jesus. He looks at the, the fishermen, and he says, hey, let's go out a little bit further. I want you to let down your nets. I want you to let down your nets and, and get, a, get, a, get a great pull in for the day. And Peter, one of the fishermen, looks at him and says, Lord, we've been, we've been going all night. We haven't caught a single thing. Like He's saying, like, listen, I know you, like you're talking to me. I'm the fisherman. This is what I do. We haven't caught, a, we haven't caught anything. But he, he, he remembers, hey, this is Jesus. He says, okay, because it's you, I'll do it. And I think he was just kind of going through the motions. He goes out and he throws out his, the net, and they, the, the catch is so big that the boat actually starts sinking. They call for other boats to come over, and he, he begins that he falls at Jesus' feet and he begins to, to repent. repent. This is what Jesus says to him. And Jesus said to Simon, "Do not be afraid. From now on, I will. From now on, you will be catching people." When they had brought the boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. I love that they left everything. And followed him. Now, many of you, you've probably heard this before, and I, I like how all the different gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they, they set it up differently. Usually it's kind of just set up that they, they left their nets and followed him. They saw Jesus one day, Jesus said, Come follow me. They left their nets and they immediately followed. And I, I, those gospels are trying to set it up that there was just this immediacy to, to their faith, to just leaving everything. But I, I wanted to share today that I, there was a little bit more to the story. There was a little bit more to the story. They had actually met Jesus before. They had had time with Jesus before. They had learned from him before. They were actually disciples of John the Baptist. And John had said, this is the God. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is the one I've been telling you about and preparing you for. So they had this time to think about it and to process and prepare for it. In essence, they had time to count the cost. And when Jesus says, come and follow me, they left everything and followed him. Not too long ago, just about a week ago, actually, funny enough, I was reading this, this very passage to my daughters. I was reading it in, in their, like, picture Bible, and we were reading it together. And I wanted them to get the essence. I was like, I don't want them just to think they left their nets. Because, like, you know, what's a six-year-old and a three-year-old going to do? Like, yeah, they left their nets and followed Jesus. Great. Like, nets aren't a big deal. And so I started sharing, like, no, 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 no. Like, they didn't just leave their nets. Like, they left Everything. Like that was probably their family business, and they they left it behind. This was their livelihood. This is how they this is how they ate at night. This is how they you know partook in caring for their family. This was everything to them. When they left their nets, they were leaving everything to follow Jesus. And so one of my daughters, which I love, I love the comments they get back. She was like, like everything. I'm like, yeah, like like everything. Like when we follow God, like we're called to leave everything behind to follow Him. And one of them said, even my bed. <laughs> You know, I, I, I guess that, that's what she owns in the house, I guess. I don't know. She was like, even my bed? And I was like, you know what? Like, sweetie, like, I don't know if Jesus will ask for it, but if he does, you better give it away. Like, I'm, not, I'm not pulling punches with him. I'm like, you know, like, if, if he calls for it, you better give it away. She thought about it for a second. She, she thought about it a little longer. <laughs> she was like, okay, dad, if he asks for it, I'll give it away. Right? Like, leave everything, leave everything and follow him. Leave everything and follow him. Jesus shares a number of things with his disciples to help them fully understand what it is that he's calling him to. One day he begins to share something pretty radical with them, in fact. He actually begins to share with them that he's going to go to Jerusalem at some point in the future. And he's going to be offered up and he's actually going to be killed. And he says, take heart, I'm going to be raised up on the third day by God. And interestingly enough, Peter, the fisherman, right, who, who witnessed the miracle earlier that I just mentioned, he pulls Jesus aside and he rebukes Jesus. Now I'm not a smart person, but I don't think that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Like I don't don't rebuke Jesus. Like you know, what? like if, if Jesus comes to talk to you, just just listen, all right? Like don't rebuke Jesus. And so Jesus has one of these um, DTR conversations. You might know what a DTR conversation is—a define the relationship conversation. Are you with me? Right? Like with a, like a boyfriend, a girlfriend—they've been dating for a while, and you know, one of them will pull the other side. Like where are we going? You with me? Like, what's happening? We, we, we've been going out for a while, and I don't know where this thing is heading. Like, it's one of those, it's one of those define the relationship kind of moments. And so he, he pulls Peter, and he actually grabs all of them. He says, you know, if I'm going to share this with Peter, I'm just going to grab all of you. Yeah, come here. I want to share something with you. Matthew 16, verse 23b, he says this, You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. You see, what Jesus is saying is this. I want you to die up front so you can really live. Amen. I want you to learn what it's like to die on the, for, on the front side so on the back side you can really live. He's saying to Peter, you're worried about the end and I want you to know about the journey. You're worried about living safely. I want you to know what it's like to lay it all down for something worth living. You're worried about what could happen while on the roller coaster, and I want you to experience the joy of the twists and the turns. You've got your eyes on what you're giving up, and I want you to see what you're gaining. You've got your eyes on what you're giving up here, and I want you to see what you're gaining. I think what Jesus is simply saying is this. If you haven't found something for which you'd die, you haven't found something for which you'd live. I mean, this is a pretty radical call that Jesus is putting out there. And he's simply saying, you can't have portions of your life that you offer to me and portions that you keep for yourself, right? Like, it's an all or nothing kind of thing. He actually says it pretty candidly in Luke 6, 46. If, if we hear one thing today, we would do well to hear this. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Master? Why do you use words that say, I have authority over your life, and you do not do what I say? He just lays the gauntlet out there for him. If he is your Lord, right, his words should have authority over your life. If he's my Lord, he should have authority over my life. You see, I, I can remember back when someone invited me to church as an eighth grader. Shortly thereafter, I, I went down front and I prayed the prayer. But it took a couple years for my behavior to catch up. You know what I mean? Like, nothing had really changed on the outside. Like, I had made a decision, but nothing on the outside had really reflected that. You know, I wasn't wasn't a a hypocrite, right? I wasn't proclaiming to be something that I wasn't. Like, I wanted to know about God, so I went to church, but nothing in my life had actually caught up to it, right? Nothing was really affecting the way that I was living. And here's what I come to realize. I was not only hurting myself by by not listening and putting into practice the words that I was hearing, but I was hurting those around me because they couldn't see the light that was beginning to form within. right? So often in Christianity, we think that following Christ is a list of things we don't do. What I came to realize is that there was this light within me that Jesus wanted to use so that others could see him too. He had a mission. He had a plan. He had a purpose that he wanted to use me. But he, he couldn't because nothing that he was saying was actually affecting me. He was saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Little by little, still little by little, learning to give all the facets of my life away. And I wonder, are we starting to see what Jesus is saying when he says, remain in me, obey my commands, and you will have complete, complete joy. Trust me, see what I can do in you and through you, and then you'll begin to tap into the source, the fountain of joy. My wife and I, we moved this week and I can, I can confess, I can say this pretty, pretty clearly. If you are a pastor, if you work in the church in any way, shape, performing, you move the week after Easter, there's something wrong with you, right? <laughs> like not a, not a smart move, but nonetheless, we, we did it a little, a little tired this weekend. And, uh, but here's, I had this moment. I want to share this with you. I had this moment about a week ago. It was one of our, um, one of our final nights in the house. And we were doing a lot of cleaning up outside, and we, uh, we, we fixed a little bonfire in our backyard with our, with our daughters. Just sort of some of the things we like to do uh, while, we, while we lived in this house. And I had this moment. Everyone was in bed, and I was standing on the back porch, and the sun was setting. It was just kind of just this beautiful night. And I just stood there, and I just started giving thanks to God. I just started saying, God, thank you. Thank you for the memories in this house. Thank you for the things you, you did but you see, here's, here's what I was really giving thanks for. I was saying, God, thank you for being faithful. See, my wife and I, when we got that house, we were living in Los Angeles, and we had never seen the house. <laughs> there was just a series of events and circumstances that led us here. We, we came to, to study at, at Duke, and we, it was a complete faith thing. And we had to, like, get this house before, without seeing it because we had to move. A house fell through when our movers came in Los Angeles, <laughs> and it was like, okay, we've got to have a house to go to. And what you need to know is, weeks and months before that, there was this prayer garden right in the middle of of Fuller Seminary, right in the middle of of Pasadena, California, right? Just this urban prayer garden. It was was amazing. You could just sort of go and hide away. Every day, every day, when I'd walk to classes, I'd leave about 15 to 30 minutes early. And I'd go and I'd just sit in that prayer garden. And I would just say, God, what do you want us to do next? God, what do you want us to do next? And then my, my prayers kept increasing, like, God, like, no, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm asking, like, what do you want us to do next? And I didn't, I didn't hear answers. And so I, we just kept praying, like, God, what do you want us to do next? And f- eventually we, we, we felt like we heard this still small voice that said, go to Durham, North Carolina, go to Duke. This is, this, I'm opening this door for you. And so we went. We left everything, and we followed him. I can, can I tell you, to that point in our lives, that was the biggest risk we had ever taken, by far, right? We'll, we'll move from one coast to the other, no promise of, of income, no promise of anything, except that God said, I'll be there when you get there. And so when I was standing on that back porch, and we were, we were, we were moving on from that house to, to our, our next house, there was just this moment of gratitude, saying, God, thank you. Thank you for meeting me on the other side. And I share that because of this. I would love for everyone in this room, everyone who's listening at the campuses, to have that kind of an experience. That you left everything, you followed him, you did whatever he said to do, whatever that is. That might not be going from coast to coast. It might just be sharing your faith with someone at work. Right? It might just be reaching out to, to love your spouse just a little bit more. Right? It might be having a conversation you need to have with a friend or, or maybe with a child. I don't, I don't know what it might be for you but I, I want to challenge you today. I would love for you to have that, that, that gratitude experience to say, God, thank you. You told me what to do. I did it. And you met me on the other side. I left everything to follow you. One of my favorite passages is in Philippians 3. It's this real picture, this real image of radical devotion. And, and, and Paul, he he shares it so well. And I, so I want us just to walk through this passage. It was one of my favorite passages when I, when I, when I first began like, actually like, following Christ with my whole life, so much so the first Bible I had from Philippians 3 back just fell out because <laughs> I kept coming back to it so much. So let me read it with you all. Philippians 3, verse 3. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, Paul is saying. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, that was big to the Jews, obviously, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law a Pharisee, as for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. But catch this. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Those are big words. That's pretty radical. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Some, some uh, uh, ways of, of writing that, some translations will actually say, because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I think we could actually in, in, insert the word joy what is more, I consider everything of have lost because of the surpassing joy of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. That's a pretty radical thing for Paul to say. That's someone who, who laid it all on the line and God met him on the other side. Let's continue reading. I consider them garbage. Paul's saying everything that was a gain to me, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Follow this. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. We all want that. But Paul keeps going. And, and I want to participate in his sufferings. Paul's saying, I want to go all in. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection. From the dead, guys. This is radical devotion. Radical meaning pervasive. Like this is this is encountering all of Paul's life, everything. The final verse: Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I love that line. I think it's the most powerful "that" in the Bible. I press on that I may lay hold of that. For which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Paul's saying, I know God has a plan and a purpose for my life. There's a light forming within me. There's this joy. There's there's this source of love within me. And I'm not supposed to keep it to myself. There's this reason. God has a purpose for my life. And if I keep pressing on, if I keep laying it down, I'm going to discover that reason that he laid his life down for me. Paul had discovered his that. I wonder for you, what, what, is, what is your that? What is that reason that God laid down his life for you? And are you laying it all on the, the line for it, to discover it, to find out what it is? You see, catch this, guys. Ultimately, joy is found in complete surrender, lived out in radical faith. Ultimately, joy is found in complete surrender, lived out in radical faith. I know some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't, I don't know how to get to that point in my life. Let me share this with you. I, my, my wife and I, we were, we were in New York uh, a little over a year ago. We were in New York City, and we were walking around just taking a, just a little getaway by ourselves, just the two of us. And our whole mission was just we're going to walk the city, see things we've never seen before, and eat food we've never eaten before. That was, it was a lofty goal, right? And th- that was our point. And so we, were just, we would just walk until we found something we liked, and we'd sort of hang out and check it out. But there was this thing, this amazing tool. While we were there, an iPhone, right? This, this, this was our tool. And so we would go somewhere, and we would say, "Well, all right, well, we're, we're looking on Yelp, or we're looking online. We, we, we figured out the place we want to eat, or the place we want to go, but like, we don't know how to get there. We don't even know where that is. But here's what's worse: we don't know where we are. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's this amazing feature in, in 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 maps on your phones. You know what it is? When you pull it up, and you don't know where you are, you can choose current location. You with me? If you don't know where you're at, your phone knows where you're at, which is awesome. Maybe a little scary too. Maybe a little scary. But for the most part, it's awesome. And so we wouldn't, we, we didn't know where we were, but it was awesome. We could just simply hit current location, right? It would find us. We know how to get from where we are to where we wanted to go. Can I just encourage you with this this morning? If you don't know where you are, just start at your current location. If you don't know where you are and how to get to this radical devotion, start where you are. I wonder for you, like, what is it today that God might be asking you to lay down? What are your nets? Like, What's, what's standing between you and stepping out and doing something wholeheartedly for Christ, for, for fully jumping on the roller coaster and being all in? I want to invite you guys to stand. The band's going to come out in just a moment and, and sing at all of our campuses, but I want to just share this as we, as we close. You see, joy that is made complete Joy that is made complete doesn't come and go. Unstoppable joy comes in the radical devotion to Christ, and it transforms every part of your life. It's where you leave everything and follow him. It's where you die up front so you can really live. You discover that for which Christ laid hold of your life. As we hop into this next song, I want to ask you this. What is Christ asking of you today? Right? Right? what 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 is it that's holding you back from experiencing complete joy and here's the deal he is at the center he is the source and he's waiting on you let's pray Father we thank you for today Father we thank you for your son who completely laid it all on the line for us God we thank you Help us to to, to soak this in. God, we thank you that your son is the source of all joy. And he came to earth that we might have access. I pray for everyone that's listening here, God, that we would not wait till we're dehydrated to access it. God, that we would step into your complete joy. God, that we would remain in you and we would obey you and we would follow you with everything that we've got. And in this moment, God, wherever we're watching, in this moment, we would lay it all on the line and discover unstoppable joy. And to your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.NewHopeNC.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.